Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast, we are discussing Cloak and Dagger Season 2's openers, Episode 1, Restless Energy, and Episode 2, White Lines. Woo! Getting some good new teleporty broody guy and uh, too wild for her own good stabby girl. Real excited. <laughs> Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. My name's Matthew Carroll. And I'm Jeff Randall. What is happening, Jeff Randall? How you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing pretty freaking good, sir. Cloak and Dagger has come out. Yeah, uh, right? Season Cloak two. Dagger. Season two is here. Um, yeah, man. I'm excited about it. Almost under the radar. Yeah, well, that and it's just, it's under the radar because there's so much other big stuff going on. We got Avengers, the the finale of 10 years is about to happen, and then they drop, you know, Cloak and Dagger. It's like, I, I'm just not thinking about Cloak and Dagger right now. Right? My like, mind is elsewhere. <laughs> we're, we're talking about, like, people coming back to Thanos because they couldn't live with their failures yeah. in a trailer, and yeah. then now you're dropping freaking Cloak and Dagger on me? I ain't got time for Cloak and Dagger. I'm going to make time, time for Cloak and Dagger. Ain't nobody got time for that. Right? But we're going to make time. That's right. This show is really freaking good. It is really good. I've really, I really enjoyed last season. I think it's one of my favorite, like, uh, you know, just network TV shows. I think the Netflix shows are a little better, but uh, this has been really good, and it is connected. They, they, <laughs> in the first episode, um, oh gosh, I forget. They said two lines that made me think they were like giving a nod to the fans. They said it's all connected at one point in the mm. episode, and I was like, uh, fun. <laughs> it was like they were. Did they? They did. They did. Someone, it was something about the gangs or something. It wasn't like they were talking about the universe, but I felt like that was a nod to the fans. Ah. The fans of canon like myself. Um, <laughs> fanons. The fanons. The Thetans. Wait, no. No. That's a different thing. No. Uh, so, uh, let's get into this first episode. What did you, what'd you think? Uh, I guess first, verse two, we're just going to kind of cover them as a block. Um, I mean, that's how they got released. It is how they got released. I, I do. I will say, I almost wanted the first episode to not. I didn't really want the second episode to start because once all those people. Uh, spoiler alert! By the way, yeah. three, two, one. Spoiler alert! Every, people died. Frank Castle killed everyone. Um, <laughs> I wanted it to be Frank Castle so much, and I know it's not going to be. I don't believe that they're going to do a Frank Castle thing, but. That the, uh, until the se- the next episode where we saw that it was probably looked like some sort of uh, sword, probably uh, some sort of uh, stabbing or slicing implement that killed all those people. Yeah, yeah. I was I was so hopeful that it was Frank Castle, and and and, and in the recording you could hear like a sword swinging around. It sounded like metal swinging, slicing. Yeah, it sounded like um, like there was just. Claws, almost. You think? I thought it sounded like shing, shing. Like there's a couple of those sorts of sound effects. I think that was the uh, the the metal tables in there because it's you know it is a kitchen that they were meeting in. Oh, that's possible. That's possible. I thought they were alluding to swords, but then uh, we find out at the end of the second episode that there is a apparently a second uh, police officer running around. I guess this character O'Reilly. O'Reilly has split into two people somehow. Um, I thought we were going to get a very similar storyline as to what we got on Iron Fist Season 2 with uh, Typhoid Mary. Yeah. 
Yeah, with a little bit of a uh, little bit of uh, dissociative personality disorder going. That's on. what I thought was going to be happening, especially when we see the scene where you know they, where she's talking to herself in a in a puddle. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is going to be that, and then no, it's actually another physical representation of her has somehow been created. Was it created in this episode? Is that what happened? No, no. What's uh, what I'm thinking is is going on here is. Um, uh, it it said you know like last season on cloak and dagger like when it last showed her the uh the line had been blown up like the the line for whatever they were pumping out uh had been shot by the right. by the cop as she fell into the water so it exploded and she went into the water and then two of her came out and this chemical clearly deals with people's fears and uh, and hopes. hopes. Yeah. So where Tandy and, uh, and Tyrone can kind of, you know, see people's hopes and, and fears, you know, mentally, like they, they can, they can get into their minds. I think her mind and also body have been split into two. I like to that. where one is the hopeful, but, you know, trying to be, uh, kind of hesitant cop. And then the one is just the one that's, you know, has lost all faith and is just killing bad people. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I, I really enjoyed the fact that they really got into it in these first couple episodes. They just kind of dove in and immediately they're having Tandy and Tyrone like meet and talk. I really hate when our main characters uh, just don't talk to each other. And that's a big source of the drama. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's really frustrating yeah. to me. <laughs> when the drama could be solved by just a fucking conversation. Yeah, that's frustrating to me. And so I liked that, you know, sure, they're doing some things they shouldn't be doing separately. She's chasing down, uh, you know, abusers, and he is chasing down drug dealers, um, kind of people that have impacted their own personal lives. And, and they're not really doing it in any kind of, like, official capacity. Um, and they're trying not to get each other roped into it. So, so there's, there's an understandable reason why they wouldn't be talking about it, but then they basically do have those conversations. And by the end of the second episode, it seems like they're having a, uh, they're both wanting to do good. Um, I, I'm excited about sort of just like a do good storyline. <laughs> yeah. For these characters. Well, it, it also seems like they're trying to, they're trying to do good against the thing that is, that they feel is hurting them the most. Like, with Tandy, she's trying to get over her, her father, like, trying to get over finding out that her father was an abusive, you know, abusive person, you know, father, husband, etc. And, right. you know, that was kind of, that was really upsetting. That was shocking for her. That, that rocked her world. Her entire understanding of her father was just completely shattered. And then with Tyrone... He feels like his life was completely wrecked by people who were dealing and selling drugs, this detective being one of them, and and all of the people that were a part of that, all of these these gangs and the gang violence, you know, has really upset and just kind of completely shattered his life, so he's trying to fight against that so nobody else has to deal with it. Like they're they've got some they've got some some needs and some issues that they're trying to work out, but I don't think that they, the characters, quite understand that about themselves yet. Mm. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. I think that, uh, that, in a way, what they're doing is sort of selfish 
even yeah. though they're, they're going out and doing, trying to do good, they're not really trying to do the, the most good for other people. They're trying to work through their own issues. Yeah, they're they're trying to fight their own demons. Yeah, for sure. They're definitely. I think they realize it to some degree, but it's 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 definitely a little under the veil still. And I think we're yeah. gonna get that more. Tandy did mention it lightly. She was like, uh, "Maybe I'm not done working out with my issues with my with my dad." Yeah, and I think she said that just kind of offhandedly, without actually like fully embracing that that's what she's doing. Yeah, I like that. It's like she knows the words, but doesn't really understand it yet. Yeah, or at least hasn't hasn't decided to make a change based on the things she's learning or the right. things she's realizing about herself. Which you know, that's a whole different step. So, um, yeah, I, I thought this was a really cool episode. I, it's, it's, it was very well directed, well shot, well written. Um, all the characters feel fleshed out and real. I, I just really liking Cloak and Dagger from the beginning. It's been a really good show. Uh, it, it, with the exception of a couple like directorial decisions I didn't like in the first season, but, um, for the most part, it's been a really, really solid show. And this is, uh, Exciting because it's starting out in a place where we've got characters that we know, we now care about. Um, they all have sort of baggage that's built up from season one, and now they're just sort of embarking on a new adventure. Um, and that's kind of fun. I, I'm yeah. excited. Yeah, and they're 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 being kind of uh, realistic about their powers. I guess I don't I don't know that realistic is a, is the best way to say that, uh, but it seems like uh, a, a real progression is going on because like. In the uh, in the episode when Tandy and Tyrone meet up and Tyrone just kind of blinks off to or not blinks sorry it's a different character when he teleports off to one space and comes back and she's like well look who's been practicing like you never get that that kind of banter about someone using their powers like that or practicing with their powers mm. like you you don't get that banter in other superhero shows it's just like yep oh, yep they they're using their thing that's what they do yeah I love a good slow progression of powers. Yeah. You know, just in general, any show that does that well is kind of fun. Um, because, you know, it's always, there's always a new thing to be learned and conquered and. Yeah. It's like we're growing with them. Yeah. 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 It's fun. Um, I know 084, one of our listeners, our kind listeners and kind patrons, uh, wrote in a pretty, <laughs> a pretty extensive feedback. You want to run through that and then we'll, uh, we'll see where that leads us in the conversation. Sure, sure. Uh, let's see. He said, first line is cloak and dagger with five exclamation marks. Uh, what a great premiere. I'm going to jump right into things. And then first bullet point. The first episode started off the same way that last year's premiere started. Tandy doing ballet and Tyrone going around a neighborhood in a hoodie. Nicely done show. Yeah, it's, that's true. Yep. Uh, second bullet. Frustration was a clear theme in the episode. I love the montage of both of them with their outlets, basketball and ballet, and trying to blow off the steam building up. And you can feel the frustration and the struggle in both of them. Their crime fighting actually reminded me of Spider-Man Homecoming. Kids going off and trying to use their powers for good, and learning that even with good intentions, all actions have consequences. Only instead of Iron Man flying in to save everyone, they have mayhem coming in to just ruin it all. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. The next bullet point is the second, the second episode opening was the most beautiful visual of cocaine and blood that I've ever seen. Okay, it's a short list. Uh, yeah, I don't know of many cocaine and blood. I'm sure there are some. I mean, Scorsese is a thing. <laughs> 
Yeah, his use of blood as a visual effect is uh, <laughs> pretty well known. Just violence and drugs swirled together. <laughs> Just kind of stirred up into a pot, tap the edge to get the excess off. Uh, next bullet point is kind of surprised they're, they're going with a uh, Rashomon episode style already. Uh, some of the transitions between characters did feel a little awkward, but it worked out in the end. I'm not sure what Rashomon is. Uh, I'm guessing that he's talking about the back and forth uh, non-linear storytelling. I believe so. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. They did that a lot last season, so I think they were just picking up where they left off with that technique. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was used to mixed effect in this episode. Yeah, I um, I was I was kind of excited that they were going with that. Uh, you know, going back to the singular point and then following the thread, and you know, watching how they branch out and. Then it kind of like, it started off really good because we had that one central point at the end of the last episode, or at the end of the first episode, beginning of the second one. Yeah. You know, that, that one like focal area. That of, Frank like, Castle moment. Right. The Frank Castle moment. They had that one time when they were all together and it was like, that was our anchor. And then the threads branched out, but then they kind of like lazily looped back together and kind of didn't, like it kind of fell apart. Yeah, and it definitely wasn't as as clean as it has been in in previous yeah. episodes and previous seasons. Um, if you're going to do a non-linear storytelling, you really do have to have a strong anchor points to really make it clear what's going on. Yeah, and if you're if you're going to do it over and over again from different points, it has to be like your next point has to be a strong anchor point. Yeah, this was no tracks from season one of Agents of Shield. Whew. Man, <laughs> like that's the one I keep going back to. Yeah, it's 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 one that we, uh, you know, we, not the, in the in the MCU. It's one of the first one times this technique was realized. You know, so yep. but it's kind of funny to just keep referencing tracks from like five years ago. Yeah, <laughs> and that was actually uh, the first episode of Agents of Shield that uh, that San Lee made a cameo in. That's right. Oh, wasn't it the only one? Like he made a physical I, cameo. I think it, I think it was the only one where he was like you know actually saying something, right? Um, but oh man, now I'm not sure. I think it's the I, only. I feel like I he's think shown up like cameo. in a picture or something. Maybe he definitely showed up in pictures in all of the uh, Netflix in the stuff, Netflix stuff. But I want to say that's his only actual cameo in in Agents of Shield. But there there definitely could have been something in the background that I'm not thinking of. I've got to rewatch all of it yep. just to make sure. Got to dig in. <laughs> Here we go. Right now. Mm -hmm. We'll be back. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right, everybody. We're back. And, uh, yeah, I, I was right. I don't even remember what my point of view was, but I'm pretty sure I was right. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That's perfectly normal thought to have. <laughs> uh, the next bullet point for OA4 is my first thoughts when meeting Andre. Nope. Stranger danger. He's too helpful. Don't trust him. Not one bit. <laughs> there's, there's another big antagonist this season, isn't there? Mr. Jip from the comics, calling it, especially since it's really weird that Michaela somehow runs out of that group and somehow winds up in a human trafficking ambulance connected with the gangs Tyrone has been going after. There's a missing thread there, and I think this new helpful guy is it. Hmm. 084, who hurt you? <laughs> no, I, I get it. I get it, 084. I get where you're coming from. And you know what? I'm going to jump on that bandwagon, too. I like this idea. Andre, you're no friend to me. 
All right, all right, you guys, uh, we're, we'll 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 stand on opposite sides of this. I, I don't have any reason to believe he's not a bad guy, except for he's just a good guy, guys. Come on, can't there just nope. be good guys? No, there cannot be just good guys. Can't there just be not, good guys? Not in the MCU. Not in Nolans. Oh, <laughs> but I'm from Nolans. <laughs> but you're not in the MCU. That's true. You said not in MCU. Not in Nolans. Like yeah, it was well, it the was, two different qualifiers. They were nested. It was one was inside the other. Russian nesting points. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. I certainly wasn't thinking of nested if statements and programming. Uh, Tandy's powers going haywire was a cool touch, and it's exciting that their abilities continue to develop. What was up with Michaela's hopes not being hopeful? Maybe the heroin in her system messed her up. The outburst at that therapy group. Uh, it was for sure the episode's Tandy No moment. I can understand it, though. It's a great re- representation of an outside view of abusive relationships. And her sitting and listening to all of this for months and not being able to process people not just running away because that's what she's done her whole life, it builds up. And we see it come out to a, a breaking point with her. But then we see her go Super Saiyan and take out a truck. And man, that was so cool! Yeah, that was cool. I, I gotta say, he makes a great point about Tandy's powers. Um, when she touches Michaela, she's supposed to be the one that sees the hopes, and that is not a hope. I, I, I'm worried that they've just lost that thread, and they were like, well, she touched Michaela. She can just see something that she's seen, but that's not what Tandy's power is supposed to be. And I, I was kind of annoyed by that scene. Well, there was in the first season there was that episode where they were reliving that moment with the dude sure Um, but that was because both of them were there and both of them were reliving something the man was currently reliving himself they were like entering the guy's mind and they both touched her mom's hands and and experienced a memory so i think what the what their writers are trying to do is is pushing for like because they've experienced it a couple of times they're they're both able to just pluck memories independently. They may mm. not have control over it, but they haven't really like they haven't really shown or they haven't written for that. They haven't really developed that developed towards that even. Yeah. They they really need if they're gonna go with something like an expansion of powers, they need to put hang a bit of a lampshade on it for me to like oh, that's what they're doing. Because it just seemed like they were expanding her powers without without really mentioning it. Yeah, it felt like they were they were just kind of going with you know whatever sounded reasonable maybe with her powers. They were just like, ah, what's what do we what could we do? Uh, maybe it's just any memory, right? I don't really like the idea of them just using those powers to show them whatever they need the plot to for them to see, right? <laughs> you know, right? I just want them to stick to what their powers are supposed to be. Which he she sees their hopes, he sees their fears. And when they both touch them together, they get memories. Yeah, and, and you know they they don't they don't know how their powers work. We don't either, and, and so I, it's very possible we'll get an explanation of that. But it just yeah. seemed like something that they were just like, well, I hope they don't notice. This isn't a hopeful thing she's seeing. <laughs> <laughs> we notice. We notice, Marvel. Yeah, we noticed. Um, what I, I I would really like them to have the, because these characters are are. You know, their origin is linked, and throughout the first season, their powers were pretty well linked. And in the comics, they are an inseparable duo. I really want these characters in the show 
to also have that one thing that they can only do together. Yeah, you know, I want their powers to be relevant to each other like that. Like I want that. I want that to stay pure like that. Me too. Me too. Anyway, uh, next bullet point. I'm really grateful that Evita showed uh, showing up didn't fully distract Ty from worrying about Michaela being kidnapped. A lesser show would have had him completely forget. It's also cool that she helped him calm himself and get him to add his, to add to his power set. Bonus points to her for pulling a Black Widow and kissing him strategically. And she gave us a time setting eight months after, whenever season one took place. And either hmm. before Infinity War or after, depending on what happens in Endgame. I'll have that figured out in a few weeks. <laughs> it's <laughs> likely that we're in August or January, since Tandy stole him a syllabus for the classes he's missing. Also, great touch that he's still trying to be educated, even when in solitude. Also, eight months without washing his clothes, and he's running around and working out in them? Cool, cool, cool. I just, I hope he at least snuck somewhere to brush his teeth at some point before kissing Evita like that. <laughs> I, I liked Evita in this episode. Yeah, yeah. It's really easy for the just love interest um, female character, especially when they're getting mad at the hero for going off and doing their heroing. Um, it's really easy to sort of make that a not likable character, especially yeah. when, I, I, forgive me if I'm wrong, but in the comic books, uh, Tandy and Tyrone are a couple. Yep. And so I think there's a little bit of like, will they, won't they there? And I think that that even gives more credence to the possibility of Avita being sort of an annoying character. Because we're just like, oh, she's just a, uh, an she's obstacle. She's just a speed bump on the yeah, way. Yeah, she's just a speed bump, an obstacle to get through. And uh, so far, I've really enjoyed her character a lot. I like how she yeah. cares about Tyrone and tries to see things from his perspective, even when he is being kind of a jerk and not letting her know he's okay. Um, she still comes back and says, you know, I can't see, I can't know what you're going through. You, what you're going through is different than my experience. And it's kind of yeah. cool. I really like that she had the, the, uh, the maturity, the emotional maturity even to, to do that, to like, just kind of stop for a second and be like, you know, I don't know his life and I don't know his struggles. So maybe, maybe I can just let him talk to me like he wanted to do and just see what happens from there. Yeah, totally. I like that she was able to do that. And I do, honestly, I do feel like they're kind of, they're, they're leaning a little bit toward the possibly Tandy and Ty relationship, but they're, you know, they're kind of, they're holding out on it. You know, they're kind of, uh, they're making them work for it. Yeah. I, I worry though that that means that something's going to happen to Evita. Ooh, good point. I hope not. I like Evita as a character, but you know, I like her, so the loss of her might be just what I need as a viewer, you know? <laughs> Don't say that. What you're doing is like, you're, you're going, it's okay, go ahead and kill her, because I know that's what I need as a viewer to get into the story. Yeah, there's a great, there's <laughs> no. a great quote from uh, Joss Whedon. She's a fictional character, Jeff. It's okay. It's not okay, um, Matt. There's a great quote from the great Joss Whedon, say, who said, he said, uh, he considers himself the god of the little universes he's creating, and he tries to give the viewers what they need, not what they want. Oh, goodness. And so the whole idea, you know, he's very well known for killing off main characters and Wash. characters. Some of the most lovable characters he ends up killing off or having go through horrible things. And his whole thing is he gives the viewers what they need, not what they want. And 
Uh, and I think it, it works. It works, you know, and I can't complain because those are some of my favorite shows. Joss Whedon has some of my favorite television. Uh, so yeah, kill her if you need to, guys. Yeah. But yeah. she is a great character. I really like the actress and I like the actress. I like how she's portraying Evita. <laughs> All right. So the next bullet point, mayhem. I was a little annoyed that they leaned so heavily on her in marketing because the second something goes wrong in that club, obviously that was going to be her. I did like the multiple twists with her afterwards. It first surprised me that she was a cop still and living kind of normally. Like, what happened when she crawled out of that swamp? How did she get back to being herself? Then we saw Mayhem's reflection in a puddle and the personality shift, and I was like, oh, okay, they're going to do a Typhoid Mary Hmm. better than Iron Fist did. Then the final twist, that they're two completely separate people, and that Bridget wasn't the one who crawled out of that swamp. I have to hand it to them. I didn't see it coming. I'm excited to see the actress get to show her range this season. Fun tidbit, I watch with closed captions. When Mayhem walked into that kitchen and started talking to the other cops, no joke, the captions identified them as hard-ass one and hard-ass two. That's true. I watched that too. I saw that with Chris. I was like, "That's." I meant to make a note of that to mention. That's really funny. Hard-ass one and hard-ass two. That's uh, good. Uh, overall, I'd give this an 8.5 out of 10. It was amazing and gave me a lot of what I wanted. I want to give it room to go up later, and the Rashomon style in episode two was slightly awkward. Oh, and Marvel does a Cloak and Dagger after-show podcast that everyone should give a listen. For the first episode, they had Aubrey and Olivia on with them. It was so clear that they understood the characters so well and aren't just cashing paychecks. And some really fun background on the club scene as well as the question, waffles or pancakes? Until next time, true believers, Excelsior! Huh. Thanks, man. Cool. I didn't realize they were doing an after show. Uh, an official after show, as it were. I don't think we approved that. <laughs> nobody wrote and asked me. No, man. Nobody wrote and asked me either. We we obviously are the only purveyors of podcasts about Marvel. Mm, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> uh, well, anything else you want to talk about about this episode? Uh, I, I'd love to talk about it for hours. I'm really liking the show, but... We got to get to our next episode to talk about some of this uh, in-game stuff and all this other feedback we got. Oh, man. I only want to say about the episodes of uh, of Cloak and Dagger is that um, I'm glad that they're back. It's a really good show, and I hope that episode five coming out on the same day as Avengers Infinity War doesn't completely kill the ratings. Ooh. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, we are the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Hit us up at mcucast.com, at mcucast on Twitter, facebook.com, slash mcucast, mcucast at gmail.com, or call us at 573-CAST-MCU. Yeah, we love you guys. Thank you so much. Oh, and uh, thanks for everybody who's patron over on patreon.com, slash mcucast, where we got lots of... Lots of great supporters over there, and we appreciate you all very much. Uh, and if you haven't done that yet, go to patreon.com slash mcucast. really helps us out if you can share a few pennies with us. really does. Uh, we'll be back with you soon. Peace. Until next time, true believers. <laughs>